get to one of the you know intro math classes and you realize that not only are they smarter than you um they know how to study better than you they know how to utilize um the resources available to them wait am i actually smart or have i been like kind of just getting by this whole time and now i'm just kind of realizing that hi i'm cosmo calloway and I'm Eliana Stanford, and you're listening to Full Steam Ahead. Full Steam Ahead is a student-led podcast where we talk with thought leaders in the STEAM field to pick apart their origins in order to further understand the motivations behind their accomplishments and the hopes that they can provide fuel for the next generation of STEAM students. In today's episode, we're sitting down with Chamal Samaranaika. Chamal has a bachelor's degree from Stanford, where he majored in computer science with a focus on human-computer interaction. After that, he went to work at Microsoft in 2013, helping develop Xbox Live TV. Upon his departure, he became the product hire at Snapchat, and it was only composed of a mere 20 people. Jamal worked on the original version of Snapchat's chat function, Bitmoji integration, geofilters, and countless other fundamental features of the app. Chances are, if you've ever so much as opened Snapchat, you've utilized one of the many developments Jamal had directly worked on. That being said, he has filed for many patents to secure all the creative initiatives he has taken. He has helped integrate the friend level emojis, especially for streaks, helped incorporate the big caption style and filters. Not only that, but he has helped implement an in-app voter registration, which resulted in over 400,000 people registering to vote in the United States. And we are so excited to hear about it from the product designer himself. Jamal, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. This is really fun. Um, so I, I want to bring up something that uh, I think Eliana just touched on, and that was the 400,000 people registering to vote in the United States. Um, and Jamal, I, we know that you were really involved and interested in politics in high school. And personally, I'm super interested in comp sci and poli sci, but I haven't really found the best way to connect the two yet. So how did you go about doing that for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, going into freshman year of college, I was working, I'm, I'm from Missouri, I'm from a small town in Missouri, um, and I was heavily involved in like our local kind of Obama chapter. Um, and so, you know, I think that was kind of my really first um, experience in politics. And, you know, before that, I, I had an interest in kind of, you know, social work, um, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, you know, when I got when I got to Stanford, um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to major in. Um, I like was familiar with computer science. I I took a I took the our you know we had a computer science class at my school that was also the the AP computer science program too. Um, but when I got to Stanford, I didn't really know what I wanted to do as a major. I was really interested in doing you know something within the political space or social space. Um, but I ended up taking the intro to computer science class um, just because I was like, oh, this, this seems interesting. I have a little bit of experience in it. And my brother, for you know, additional context, studied computer science at University of Illinois. Um, and so, you know, there is like a little bit of like, well, my brother did this and he, he seemed to get like, you know, he seemed to really enjoy it. He built a lot of like things that, during his time in school that were um, used by people. And, you know, he ended up getting a really cool job after graduating. So it's like, might as well at least to it. Um, and I think the really kind of interesting thing about this, the CS program at Stanford is that the intro class, you know, I think for a lot of pre-med um, classes, I think the intro classes are, they call them like weeder classes, right? Like they're 
weeding out the people that, you know, maybe are, have a soft interest in something um, kind of as a way of just like um, kind of filtering out the people who maybe, you know, aren't as dedicated to the, this kind of study, right? But like, I think what's cool about the CS program at Stanford is it's kind of the opposite. They make it as welcoming as possible. It's really, really enjoyable. It's probably, I think, the one of the most enjoyable classes I had. Um, and so I, I just got really, really into it. Um, it was really fun working on, you know, all the class projects and homework. Um, so I ended up just going down that track and I, I ended up realizing too, within CS, especially at Stanford, they have kind of specialized tracks. Um, and one was human computer interaction, um, which, you know, deals with how people use um, computers or software, essentially. Um, and a lot of it, you know, it's like user interface design, but there also is like kind of like, you know, a higher level component or thinking about, you know, how do, pro how do people use these products that we're building on a more macro level? What does it mean for society? All these other things, is, you know. Um, so I just got kind of really interested in it and I found this niche within it that I found more enjoyable because, you know, I wasn't um, as big of as like a coder or as mathy as maybe some of my other peers in the program. Um, and within that, you know, you start working on projects and you realize too um, that, and this was also the time of like the iPhone just came out. So people are coming up with all these interesting applications of software. So, you know, I think, I think that was really helpful for me is like, well, what do I want to do? It's like, well, you know, having a CS degree um, is a great foundation, um, or at least not even a CS degree. I think understanding how programming works is a great foundation to being able to work on a lot of problems because, you know, especially nowadays, um, almost everything people do, um, it's easily, it's, it's really easy to have a tech component related to that. Or, um, it's easy to see how tech can, um, you know, amplify something you're interested in. So, um, you know, at Snapchat, you know, we, we, I was so fortunate to be able to work on a lot of really cool features. Um, and towards the end of the time there, there was, um, kind of a, you know, a lot of interest in like, what can we do in terms of the election? And I was, you know, about, you know, how we can have a positive impact in this space, especially with our younger demographic and getting them involved. Um, so myself and, you know, a couple of coworkers, we, we um, kind of brainstormed the ways of, you know, what we could do. Um, and we ended up coming with this voter registration initiative that, yeah, it ended up being really successful and, you know, reaching a demographic that I think is, you know, traditionally hard to reach um, in terms of voter registration drives. Um, and, you know, now there's, you know, that work is ongoing and, you know, the, the people involved with that are continuing to, to, um, you know, think about how else Snapchat can be used for kind of positive impact. So there's a lot of great initiatives going around, you know, not just in the U S but like, you know, within India or Europe, um, getting more and more of our Snapchat user base, um, involved in politics or, or other social causes. It's so interesting because I think a lot of people say, well, life is a straight line. Like you don't have to have what you're going to be defined when you're five years old. And I think you're a perfect example of that. You really didn't know really what path you wanted to go down. And when you're pursuing a career, like one that's challenging computer science, you're kind of exploring, trying to get around a bunch of different challenges and obstacles. Did you face any of those? And like, if so, what was the one they found the most challenging? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a couple things like one, um, you know, going into Stanford, I think it's like a, it's a, it's a unique environment because like, you know, the, the high school I went to wasn't necessarily, 
um, incredibly strong from an academic perspective. It was just, you know, a regular public school with, you know, I think looking at the stats, you know, 30 to 40% of the um, students at the poverty level were below. Um, but, you know, I was very fortunate to have a handful of really, you know, teachers that I think really cared about the students and made a huge impact on, um, you know, what we thought was possible in terms of like going to grade schools or, you know, the science, you know, the, the STEAMs, the STEAM studies. Um, but when I got to Stanford, you know, it was, it was a complete kind of culture shock because I went from, you know, being able to, you know, kind of take classwork pretty, you know, it was, I, I you know, I studied a lot in high school, but it, I didn't find anything um, to be incredibly difficult in terms of like doing well in my, you know, my, my schoolwork. When I get to Stanford though, you know, you get to one of the, you know, intro math classes and you realize that there's really, really smart people all surrounding you. And not only are they smarter than you, um, they know how to study better than you, um, right? They know how to utilize um, the resources available to them because, you know, these are all things. And, you know, granted, I, you know, have a little bit of a privileged perspective on like academics because both my parents are, have PhDs. Um, but even that, like, I didn't felt, I didn't really feel um, prepared to kind of um, succeed as, you know, su succeed as academically as I would have imagined at Stanford. So that, I think that was like a big Im impediment to me is just like, um, you know, to some degree, you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this, like you, f you feel like you have kind of an imposter syndrome um, where, you know, it's like, wait, am I actually smart or have I been like, kind of just getting by this whole time and now I'm just kind of realizing that so you know I think I think that was like a big barrier for me it's just like and that and that's part of the reason too like I didn't really want to be a programmer after college because I didn't think I was really good at it um I think the other the other part that I found difficult is uh I think your first year out of college your first year working um you begin to realize like college didn't always prepare like provide you with the kind of tangible skills or the soft skills that you need to do well at work. So when I got to Microsoft, you know, it's a, an Xbox, it's a giant corporation. Um, and, you know, they provide you with some mentorship, um, kind of onboarding. But like, you know, I, I, I think I struggled a little bit to like, just really understand how to be effective, especially in such a, a big organization. Um, and so, you know, luckily I was, you know, able to navigate those things and it didn't have um you know i don't think it necessarily set me back in in any really negative way at least now like everything i think worked out um but those were things that like you know i wish i wish i would have done better at or known better um and i wish you know i would have considered you know before um getting to stanford or even at stanford um, you know, knowing how to study better, knowing how to ask for help. Um, and then, you know, when working, just really understanding, like, how do you be effective at work? Because it's completely different than being a good student. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That that sounds, I, I mean, that scares me even just to think about. <laughs> um, but I mean, I guess on, on that note of Microsoft, um, you know, moving from Microsoft to Snapchat, without a doubt, had to have been like a risky move for you. I mean, there was only like there was less than 20 people there. So how, how did you feel about that? You know, when you made that transition, like, was it a risky jump to make? Did you know what it be? Did you know what it would be today? Um, you know, it's, it's always weird, especially like, you know, 
yeah, I was definitely a little scared about leaving Microsoft because, you know, I think, you know, most people consider it like a nice cushy job with, you know, it's, you know, Microsoft's going to exist, you know, five, 10 years from now. Right. So it's like, it's a safe place to be and there's great benefits. Um, but, you know, I think when I was working there, um, I, I didn't really feel as fulfilled as I wanted to be. And, and granted, like, you know, it's a little bit of too, I think just being, you know, it's being a little naive of like, um, uh, you know, I'm a, a, a fresh college grad looking to have huge impact on, you know, the things I'm working on. And, you know, that's just not usually the reality for most college grads, right? Um, you put in your time, you, you, you do the, you do a lot of like the grunt work and you work your way up. I was unsatisfied with, you know, having to convince my manager's manager that, um, this is how we should be thinking about something. And like, this is how we should design something. And I think too, a little bit, it's just like, yeah, it's like, you know, you go to Stanford and you see people doing such big things. It's like, Oh, like, why, why can't that be me? And you know, it's a little bit of a hubris too, right? It's like, you know, that's just not, that's just like a very unique kind of situation that occurs at Stanford. And, you know, you have to be a little bit full of yourself to kind of think that, you know, you can even immediately jump to the, the top of the line in terms of like having product impact or, you know, um, driving the development of something. Um, but, you know, when I was really considering what I'm going to do is like, I was a product manager. Well, they call it a program manager at Microsoft, but it's essentially what most people call a product manager. And it just wasn't what I was wanting to do. And I, I think I, I was like, I know I really just want to do more design work, uh, product design work. And I, that's what I find interesting is um, not working with designer necessarily to create something, but doing it myself. And I remember going through it and thinking of like, well, like, let me at least start looking at startups. Um, but, you know, it's like I didn't I was I wasn't doing design work at the time. I was doing product management work. So it's like it's not like I had a really great portfolio to show. Um, and even my internships from from college were software engineering internships, not, you know, not design work. Um, so I was I was a little bit concerned about, you know, it's like, well, like, I like I'm going to leave this cushy job to like potentially take a risk at a startup. Um, and given like my lack of a strong portfolio, like, you know, I'm not like, I don't even know if like, I can get a job at like one of the, you know, more top tier startups. Um, and so, you know, I was talking to some of my, fr I was talking to my friend Sheldon, who was, um, you know, like a the third engineer hired at Snapchat. And he was just like, well, like, why don't you see if you can just work here? Um, you know, I think, I think it'd be really good to have you here and working on the product. And so he sent an email to Evan and Bobby being like, Hey, um, I think, you know, Jamal's looking for, for other opportunities. I think he'd be a great fit here. And I remember, you know, Evan responding, being like, Hey, like, yeah, I remember Jamal from school, like for some context, we had, we had, we had a few, maybe one class together, but we, you know, also I knew of him and kind of, you know, interacted in sometimes overlapping circles. But he was like, hey, like, we're not necessarily looking to hire um, a product manager, because I think that's how Sheldon positioned me, or, you know, just in general, like, we're not really actively looking to hire product people, but like, happy to talk to him, because, you know, um, I remember from school. Um, so I ended up going down to LA, kind of like, you know, I guess I'm interviewing for a role, but it doesn't seem like there's anything like super concrete there. You know, I just ended up having like a really good conversation with Evan about product and design and, um, you know, what they were doing. And I, I just told him that I found the product really compelling. And, you know, I think the thing for me that made Snapchat unique to compared to the other kind of products at the time is like, 
I just remember receiving a snap from a friend and this is I think right around when video came out on Snapchat because at one point it was photos only. Um, and it was just my friend playing with a dog. And I, I just remember that like, you know, it's, it's just such a trivial piece of content, but um, I think within that though, it carried kind of an emotional weight. Like there was an emotional reaction to receiving that, that like I really didn't have on, you know, Facebook or whatever. And so I just thought, you know, like what they're doing is, is really unique and special. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to contribute to something like that where, um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's, you know, it's not hard to find companies doing interesting things or big things, but I think it's, it's rare within tech to find um, a company doing something that your friends use and your friends get enjoyment out of. And so while there is, well, there is some risk associated with, you know, switching the job still, but like for me, the Snapchat, like it was, you know, I viewed it as like, this is just going to, like, this is already taking off. I think it's just going to become big, bigger and bigger. Um, so in terms of like risk, I, you know, I was, I was fortunate to like, you know, um, be able to join a company that I thought was taking off and was doing really cool and interesting things. And that, you know, I could have a really tangible impact on that. So while the career change overall, you know, risky to me, like joining Snapchat was, you know, relatively reducing as not, you know, a lot of risk in terms of compared to joining, you know, even a smaller startup or a less well-funded startup. So you kind of touched on that you were a product designer. Do you mind just elaborating further on like what that means to be a product designer? Like what the most fulfilling part of that role is and like what the biggest challenge is? It depends company to company, of course, but like a product designer at Snapchat, especially in the early days, we didn't have product managers in conjunction with Evan. Evan was you know, still heavily involved in the product in terms of the design, but you know, you're coming up with the features you should be working on. You know, it's not only, I think, when I tell people I'm a designer or was a designer at Snapchat, you know, I think a lot of people, they gravitate towards like, oh, are you designing like the, the filters and stuff? And it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's those, that is an aspect of design. Um, but product design more in companies is not necessarily like the creative assets, but like how the thing works. What does it look like? What is like the reasoning that we're building this feature? What is like the roadmap look like for the next six months to a year, right? So it's like, it's all these things that, um, and even other stuff too, it's like, you know, it's, you're, you're thinking, I mean, basically you're just thinking about every aspect of like, um, how are users interacting with their product, right? So even things like if someone has an issue or a bug, like what does that customer support interaction like look like? Um, how can we improve it? Um, you know, even things like writing copy for the app, right? Like how do we convey this feature? How do we like, you know, I think, I think one of the things early on I was doing a lot was just like coming up with like funny copy to put in the app. So it's just like, you know, you search for friends, it says like no results and a poop emoji, right? Like, you know, granted now, like this is all really commonplace, like all these apps use emojis and, you know, a little cheeky language here and there. But like, you know, back then, I think that was one of the things that, um, you know, we were kind of, you know, we were doing that was kind of interesting. It's like one, just not taking ourselves too seriously, right? With our app and, um, trying to make it really, really fun. Um, and so, you know, as a product designer, you get it, it was, you know, really fun because you can, you can, you get to play with it kind of every aspect of, of the app in that sense, right? From, from copy to visual design, to interaction design, to product strategy. Well, I mean, the environment sounds like it was really, really fun there um, from, from what you've been saying, but like, were, were you nervous to start working there or, um, were you not, was it like easy to make changes on like a daily basis, like that tangible change you were, you were talking about, like, what was the environment like there? 
Yeah, I mean, when I first joined, like, you know, the company is around 20 people. I sat at the corner of a big table. Like, we didn't really even have a desk. We were working out of um, this beach house on the Venice boardwalk. You know, it was, it was definitely, like, a really kind of interesting work environment. It was really fun. And I was also very fortunate as, like, a lot of the early employees were my, like, really close friends from school. But, yeah, you know, it is a little bit, like, even when I joined, too, it's, like, you know, like, the design process in a lot of sense was just kind of Evan, you know, going up to engineers, desk, you know, kind of drawing a UI out or like a design. Um, and so, you know, when I'm, you know, when I joined, it's like, okay, like the, the process is, um, you know, really unique. It's completely different from, you know, what I, my experience at Xbox, um, you know, you kind of, you adapt to it in a lot of ways. And then you also try to figure out like, well, how can I, how can I improve this process? So, um, you know, we went from, you know, Evan sketching things on, engineers notebooks to having, you know, regular design meetings where we have critiques um, to, you know, hiring, you know, more people for the team um, to, you know, um, fleshing out the process of like, how do you even go from designing something to, to handing it off to engineering to shipping. And so, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun time because it's, you know, we kind of, when I joined, it's, you know, there was not a regular, you know, what we considered, I mean, there's a process, but it was not what most people consider a regular design process. And so it was, you know, very fun to be able to one jump into that, you know, cause it was completely like the complete opposite of Microsoft. And, um, and then you also get can contribute to, to improving it and, and making it better. It was, you know, it was just a great time. So you're very familiar with social media, obviously with your work there and it's constantly evolving. So I think we should, it would be, It'd be ignorant of us not to touch on one of the biggest social media platforms right now, which is TikTok. So where would you, where do you see TikTok going based on your past experience in like the coming months, years? Is it sustainable? Yeah, no, I think TikTok's a really fun app. I think it's probably the most um, fun like media app right now. Um, I think it's great. Um, you know, obviously there's, I think, concerns about like the ownership and things of that nature, but ignoring those for now, like in terms of just like as a product, I think it's really, really interesting and it, it, it feels really fresh and um, exciting. And I think, you know, as, as someone who grew up on like, you know, early 2000s, mid 2000s internet, it, it reminds me a lot of like the older internet because it's back then it was just a lot of people having fun online and, you know, with fa then Facebook and Instagram came and then, you know, people start creating these kind of online aesthetics and personas that feels very kind of artificial and like elevated versus like TikTok. It's, you know, a lot of people just making fun of themselves um, and doing really creative and unique things. Um, and so in that regards, I think it's like a really cool platform and a really cool app. And um, in terms of like staying power, it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't see, you know, granted, like there's, you know, talks of, you know, banning TikTok or regulation or, forcing um, ByteDance, the parent company, to sell it to um, investors or something like that. You know, obviously that those are, those might have, those, those, those concerns are valid and have like, you know, big implications for what TikTok looks like in the future. But in terms of its app, like, I think, I think they've really nailed a lot about how to make content creation quick, easy, fun, unique, viral, right? Like, I, I mean, I love the idea that anybody can sign up for TikTok right now and go viral the same day. Like, you know, that doesn't, happen on Instagram or even Twitter. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of TikTok as a product for sure. Mm. I mean, I, I can say personally, I was really surprised to see TikTok get as popular as it is today. 
Um, just because I know that like the market for social media apps, like, you know, uh, Instagram or, or YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, it's very, very saturated. So I was like, I, I was genuinely taken back seeing, uh, how far or how far it's gone. I thought honestly, it would kind of fade out similarly to, to Vine. Um, which is, it's, it's funny because I, I know that in 2013, when you joined Snapchat, I think Vine had kind of just passed its initial like massive spike in popularity. Um, was that ever something that you like looked into joining instead, like just joining the Vine team or, or anything like that? I think at the time, I, don't know, I forget the exact time, but I know Vine, I think even before launch, Vine got acquired by Twitter. Mm. Um, and so I don't know. I don't think I was really considering ever joining a Twitter, but like, you know, I, I, I liked Vine's content. I thought it was really fun too. And, you know, there's a whole culture of, around Vine that I think, you know, still kind of lives on today within TikTok. But yeah, you know, I think, I think the, you know, the difference between Vine and TikTok is like Twitter just didn't care to invest in Vine. I don't think Twitter really understood what made Vine special and they didn't try. I don't like, honestly, like, I don't know how many, you know, I might not be remembering the timeline exactly, but I don't think they built a lot of features or, you know, they abandoned Vine pretty early on, I guess is what I'm getting at. But, you know, I think the thing with TikTok is that I was aware, like, I, I remember when it was like musically was out and, you know, you'd play with it and it's like, you know, there's a lot of like tweens, you know, singing the songs. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that what TikTok did really well is that they continually innovate and come up with new and new creative forms and features. Right. And I think, I think that's, you know, something you have to do to stay relevant, to have, and to have longevity in this, in this kind of space is you kind of have to keep continually innovating or else someone will do something better than you at some point. Right. I think, you know, just seeing the amount of features that TikTok comes up with, it's, it's really impressive. And it's, I think they really understand their, their user base and their community and the things that people want. And, you know, I don't, you know, not to say that like Facebook and Instagram don't do a good job of serving a lot of use cases, but I don't, I don't think those like Facebook as a company can think in the same way about building. So, cause you know, they, ha I don't, I don't think they've really built anything that innovative and novel. Um, not to say that they don't build, you know, good thoughtful features for their business, but I don't think they build really fun, creative things at this point. And I don't think it's like in their DNA. I mean, you put a heavy emphasis on creativity and as a product designer, it relates a lot of artistic features. And, I think a cliche surrounding computer science is that just people interested in that, like sit in their room in the dark, have very little social, like just all they do is, you know, code. And is there a cliche surrounding computer science that you encountered or that you disagree with? Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, I, th I think there is that like, right. Like there's an issue of computer science. Um, you know, I think it should be a more inclusive kind of study field of study. I think there's a lot of things that, you know, make it off-putting for, for women, you know, and I think in other groups, you know, I think those are things that are, are legitimate critiques of computer science as a field of study and like, um, you know, need to be worked on. Um, and I think, you know, things like your podcast are, are, you know, doing a good service in terms of like making these things more inclusive and accessible. Um, you know, in terms of like specifically like cliches that aren't true though, you know, I think going back to some of our earlier conversation on like, I don't think it's as much as a cliche at this point, but like, you know, I think, I think there is, there has been, at least when I was in school, it's like, you know, we didn't really have a, at least I didn't really have a great understanding of like always the application of like CS on, 
you know, wider fields. But like, I think that's the thing at this point is just like, you know, computer science is applicable to kind of anything you're interested in, right? So it's, you know, I don't, you know, I think whatever we can do to make it feel more and more accessible and a, a tool and skill set that, you know, I think is valuable for a lot of people to learn because it's applicable to so many other things that, you know, other people you know, might find interesting. So um, I don't, I wouldn't know if it was like a specific cliche, but I think just like this idea that, um, you know, CS is for very, a specific type of person or isn't for me, I think is something that isn't true. Like, I think it's, I think it's, you know, it should, should be, accept, you know, I'm not necessarily saying everybody should learn CS because, you know, if, you, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But like, I think, I think people can find really fun and interesting applications of CS or not even just fun, but like, you know, whatever you're interested in, I think you can, you can find the intersection of that in computer science and in cool and interesting ways. Yeah. And, you know, looking, looking at your personal website, um, which is like a super, super fun kind of quirky um, art style on it with, with really awesome text or even like your, your LinkedIn background, which I think is like just a bathroom. Um, it's easy to tell that like you really like to express yourself creatively. Um, but I, I wonder what it was like having to help lead like a group of creative people all working together like at snapchat yeah i mean the the snap team for the you know for a long time um it was like a very flat kind of organization and team that just reported to evan and you know now i think there's a little bit more hierarchy um but you know of course you still are able to like kind of you know lead initiatives on certain features or or working groups but yeah it's you know it's it was really fun i mean Obviously, it's dependent on like what you're working on, but especially at Snapchat, it's you know it's it really rewarding. You know, for these reasons we talked about earlier, it's just like building products that your friends use and get enjoyment out of is incredibly rewarding. You know, I think you get like the you know the the type of the way we were encouraged and um, thought taught to kind of think about product at Snap was you know I think very novel and um, you know we were coming up with really fun and and kind of weird stuff, right? So in a lot of ways, it's again, you know, very fortunate to be able to work on a product that I think rewarded creativity and rewarded outside of the box thinking, because, you know, a lot of times when you're working on tech products, it's not the case, you know, you're working sometimes on a little more boring things. Yeah. And I think that's something that really catches like young people's eyes, like outside of the box thinking creativity. I mean, Snapchat is used by literally every single person I know, literally. And, um, what is your advice to one of those young people that you are influencing? Is there anything you would have done different on your STEAM journey to get to where you are today? One, like, you know, I, I think in tech, people have, you know, lots of unique and interesting paths to where they are. And so I wouldn't say like, you know, here's, here's the right path to doing stuff. But I think in terms of just things that I think I would have benefited from is like finding mentors or people that can help you. I think I think, you know, asking for help when you need help, right? You know, I think even just reaching out to people in various fields that you find interesting, because I think also there is like a thing within tech, you know, not always the case, but I think there are a lot of people in tech that are eager to also help people, um, you know, who are in, have similar interests, right? Um, so mentoring or giving, a, you know, career advice. I would just say like, you know, trying to connect with people that you find interesting and you know, asking for advice. And, um, you know, I think, I think, I think that's the going back to the, the stuff earlier about my, my experience with the CS and kind of just ac academics at Stanford is just like, I would have benefited tremendously from just like being, you know, more open and okay with the idea of like, oh, like, I need, I need to work on a lot of the, you know, studying or 
um, asking questions or, you know, when you're in office hours, like feeling comfortable asking TAs for help. I think that's for a lot of people similar to me, like, you know, you have this imposter syndrome of like, man, like I really feel like I don't, I'm not keeping up with everyone, but I think that's like a pretty common kind of experience or perspective. So I think one, acknowledging that as like completely valid to kind of feel that way, but two, it's like, there's a tremendous amount of resources and help for people. Um, and so make sure you take advantage of that. And Shamal, is there anything that any of our listeners at home should be looking out for uh, in the coming months coming from you? Um, yeah, I'm playing with some apps with some friends. Um, we're working on some stuff. So, you know, definitely eager to hear, especially from your demographic. I love working on products for, you know, people your age. And, um, you know, I think, I think that your, your age is really receptive to, to new things and open to new experiences. And I think that's part of the reason Snapchat, you know, was as successful as it was. Like it wasn't moms and dads signing up early on. So, you know, if, if any of your listening listeners want to um, provide feedback or beta, beta test some, some of our apps, definitely would appreciate it. Uh, and also I'm just always interested in learning more of like what you guys are interested in and, you know, in terms of apps or, digital experiences or whatever, um, you know, I find, I find it's always just so interesting what, what younger people are doing kind of online. Well, Shamal, we really appreciate you zooming with us today and we really do look forward to seeing what new adventure, what new ventures you embark on in the future. Thanks for reaching out and it's so nice talking to you and um, super excited to hear what else you guys make on this podcast. Yes, to Echo Cosmo, thank you so much for being here. It really means a lot to us, especially like, I don't know, six years later, 10 years later, I don't even know. But sharing your story and, you know, inspiring us and others, I know I can speak for both Cosmo and myself to say that we've learned a lot from you today. I can guarantee you listeners at home can definitely say the same. Special thank you to our audience for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. And we hope to see you next time on the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Be sure to follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Instagram for the latest info on upcoming guests, as well as Q&A opportunities, where we take questions directly from our followers and pose them to our guests at Full Steam Ahead podcast on Instagram.